This podcast is brought to you by Writer on the Web, where every story counts. Hello and welcome to my new show, Memoticons, the mini-me, the many-me's and the real me. My name is Desiree B. Carey and I will be your host on this show. Humans are such complicated beings. Taking the time to know who you are can be a mighty challenge. Sometimes it can even feel like a quest, but it doesn't have to be. There is no one way to becoming yourself, and there's certainly no right or wrong way. On each episode, I'll have the pleasure of speaking to someone who's somewhere along the way of discovering who they are, or perhaps they're already there. This week's special guest is on the other microphone. Would you like to say a little something about yourself? Okay, um, I'm uh, Andreas. I'm uh, 40 something years old. Uh, I always forget my uh, real age, maybe uh, that's a good thing. I do uh, for a living, I do art projects, uh, festivals, uh, series of events in uh, different fields like uh, visual art, conceptual art, uh, literature, music. These are kind of like my three fields where I'm active. Yeah, I live in uh, Switzerland and um, actually the majority of the time I live abroad. I'm on the road or I'm in South Africa. Um, I have this kind of uh, privilege to uh, work from wherever I I am. I just need a laptop, uh, internet connection, and then I can do my project. So that's uh, what gives me a lot of freedom to not uh, have this eight to five job and be where where I just feel like being and not have to go to a certain yeah working space. Thank you, Andreas. When you say um, you work in this art space and the event uh, space, are you yourself an artist? Started as a painter actually, um, and it was always like a dream to become kind of like um, a visual artist. But it was like um, very quickly I kind of uh, felt also bored with just like painting and and was more interested in the like in the concept of doing art uh, so it could take like other forms like soon it uh, was going into performance art or it became like more in a uh, activist way of like doing projects with different media with um, photo montage with videos whatever or with fake personalities creating fake organizations uh, so it, I, I very quickly kind of like um, broke this this corset of like just doing visual art. There was always the a question of how can you finance uh, a life like that, like when you when you actually want to do art. So I also tried like different models of installing or creating a life that could. Uh, enable me to do as much art as I as I wanted to and be free in what I what I do one um, possibility was like to just work for something that really doesn't need much attention and you go home and you just forget whatever you did and then you are free to do like your art or another way was like to try really to push like my art to make money out of it 
like with, with selling or win prizes or uh, stipendiums. Uh, and I also tried that. And, and now it's, <clears throat> I found kind of like a middle way with projects that are not really like the ones that, that I, uh, I have the creative control in, in a way. I enable other artists to do stuff like by organizing concerts or uh, doing festivals. Still is like in the creative field and, and more in the role of a creator. So it's still like I, of course, I can um, do a lot by choosing the ambience, like setting the stage, by doing a, a festival outside in a garden instead of just in a normal uh, location. Kind of that's has also to do with, with arts in a way, but it's not like my my own art projects in that sense. So it's now kind of like a, a mix between doing these projects for money and then doing other projects where it has nothing to do with like earning money. And I can kind of like use both to complement each other. Okay, so um, you mentioned, um, you know, there's that, um, you know, you started off as a painter. Um, was that always something you wanted to do as a child? Could you really draw? Were you just always, let's say, you had the gift, you just needed to learn to channel it? How did it? Um, I, I think, I mean, it was not, not like from, from the, it was not my first wish, like to, to become a painter. It was like, when I was very young, I wanted to become like a pilot because I was always interested in like seeing the world. And my grandfather was a globe trotter, so I, I kind of looked up to him and came and told about told us about his trips to China and Russia. And I was like fascinated by by that. And then I think with the the drawing thing came that it, I was just like always the best in school in in drawing. I was like just, in the others in the other fields I was kind of okay. I was I was always good in like playing, like when we had theater projects, uh, and everything that was connected with like arts, arts and drawing, I just could throw out what I didn't think was any interesting, but my teacher was always like, oh, he's a genius. I think it kind of like stayed with me and shaped this, okay, that's something that I can really do and it's so easy for me and people are fascinated. So I, I, I became more and more interested and then like my parents also took us to a lot of museums and that also I think helped because I was really like uh, fascinated by some painters, like especially at that time, uh, Salvatore Dali. And I was then also in, like, like fascinated by his kind of lifestyle because he was a complete weirdo. So that also had kind of like, okay, you can be such a nut person. You can like behave like a, like a crazy guy all the time. And people just like think it's cool. And it's actually like very interesting to look at. I think that kind of pushed me on that way to also want to become a painter and artist. When I was in high school, it was kind of the first uh, knockdown on that way because my uh, teacher then, drawing teacher, thought I was just like, I think I, I, I first even got uh, an insufficient grade. Doing the same thing, I just like, like we did some exercises. I was not interested in doing these color exercises, so I just painted whatever. And of course, then I failed the task. And then it was like this opposite uh, motivation that I kind of wanted to prove him wrong by giving me an insufficient grade. So it was like 
becoming kind of a, a negative motivation to know I'm, I know I'm a, I'm a genius, I'm very good, like, and I will prove him wrong. And then I kind of like, at the end of the high school, I had like the best grades again in, in the fields of art. Was it a little bit of a like a rebellious phase that you just wanted to just just throw him yeah. off your trail for a bit? Yeah, I think, I mean, <laughs> I think it's, it's these both motivations that can push you forward. Either somebody says you're really good and then you're kind of feeding off that, that positive emotion. Or the opposite, somebody says you're such, you, you can't do that. No, nothing will ever get out of you if you put this. And then you kind of like have this, no, I'll, I'll show him mm. I can do it and you work hard. And so I, I also actually think that this was maybe even more important than to, to be persistent in what I, what I wanted to achieve. So when you changed, you talked about painting became a little bit uninteresting with you. Was that guided by the fact that you were changing as a person yourself? What made you not want to be a painter and want to explore different ways of creating and as you've explained there are very different ways of creating mm. and they all can all be very original and you can show where your spirit is and without necessarily it being in painting yeah. so what was it that made all these different things happen to you and go in different directions i mean uh yeah i think it had it had absolutely to do with all you said like um, with uh with studying too because I was at that when I finished high school uh, I thought I was technically already like very good in painting so I don't need to go to an art school and learn how to paint I already know how to so I was more interested in getting more um, knowledge uh, experiences on the conceptual side so I thought if I go to university I can profit more because then I have new ideas I get new concepts so I started to first study uh, psychology then uh, philosophy literature and we always with the idea that I can like do a transfer then to to my art and then I kind of like realized no it's not that not that easy it's it's actually like this academic uh, thing is is so far away from art so I cannot really bring it together and then I more like finishing uh, university just to have like a degree at the end and then concentrate on art again uh, but like what you said like why did I get bored with painting it's I mean I was never getting bored with art it was just that I yep. found my angle of doing art is not attached to a certain media it's I'm not like just an artist that goes into a studio and then there's an empty canvas and then I fill it with some ideas or structures or whatever that's not how I want to work and I found it like kind of pointless and empty what I do with my art should have an effect it should kind of be contributing in a in a positive or in any way to kind of my surrounding reflected commented right. i was starting to to become more distant with paintings because paintings were kind of the the way you you show them then is in a setting that is very standardized it's in a in a gallery space it's usually white cube space it's like people are going there already having these like uh, expectations what they We'll see, and there are some artists that really can kind of use painting still as 
for like political messages or whatever, but then it's still, it's just framed in this like very safe context where people that will go there are already on the side of that political message kind of. So I was more looking for how can I use my skills, whatever it is, like doing, uh, like working with visuals, with text, with moving images, with, with setting things into place in, like, by acting and using all these tools for art projects. So I was more interested in how can I place these projects into like reality without maybe knowing that or mm. without people being aware at first sight that that's actually art, but try to use that kind of technique or strategy to have a broader effect with what, yes. I, what I wanted to show. So something a little bit, so you're looking for more the dynamic and maybe not necessarily uh, everlasting and therefore yes. forever. You know, it might be therefore yeah. temporary and it's it's art as it's what it is. However, it's not something that you can put in a frame or in a case or on a mantelpiece yes. or somewhere that will stay that way for the for eternity. It's yeah. there and it's beautiful. It's um, it's art in every form, but it's not everlasting. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be beautiful. I think that's for me not a, um, a notion of art. But I, what okay. you just said, I think, uh, is was very important. Like this change of like doing something that should be there for eternity. I wasn't interested at all in that anymore. Maybe it was at the beginning when I started with paintings, uh, because I remember I had like a tough time to get rid of them in in, in the sense of like giving them to other people that were wanting to buy it and I said no it's like kind of like they they are my babies you were attached I was attached and then kind of that changed into something and that had absolutely to do with my life the focus was much more like now it's I don't give a f as you said before uh, what is tomorrow or like in in 100 years in 100 years I will anyways not be there so so I, I want to focus on on the now. And that had a lot to do with like my personal interests shifting at that time too. Like like uh, I was, um, yeah, I mean, that would be like a long story. No, no, I've got time for stories. Give me a story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, you asked me last time, is was there like a life-changing moment when we talked? Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking about that and I was, uh, I mean, uh, there was not like a one one moment that was kind of like like changing everything, uh, but I thought there was kind of like a sequence of like uh, um, experiences that were actually changing me in the long run. And like mm-hmm. I think um, a first one was was like I had this kind of near death mm. uh, experience once where I was in coma. Okay. For me, it was then when I when I woke up again. It was kind of like this thing of wow, okay, you got you got the second chance. I, I mean, I only I only got to know it from the doctors and from the people outside telling me I was really gone and and that it was really like a, uh, like a very close to everything would be done now. And I came back and, and it was like a really shaky experience yes. in that way that I thought, okay, now I, I, I mean, 
what what does really has a meaning and what do I want to do and is it really like do I want to continue like that? I think it's it was the starting point for a search of kind of like a more meaningful existence. I was uh, at that time I was. Uh, starting with meditation a lot, different like courses and uh, retreats. And I think that was really like, if I would say uh, retrospectively, what was kind of the biggest change, then I would say it was really like before and after this mm. uh, involvement with meditation, because with meditation, it really helped me to kind of say, okay, um, if Okay. If I if I always look in, in, in a in a dreamy future, who I want to become in ten years or in five years, it's always like programmed into a failure because maybe you're not there or you go another way. If you if you look back, you always compare of like what what you wanted to be then and now what what did you become? So it was more like okay, um, look into what what is here now. Isn't that enough? And kind of like make goals where the focus is on, on the present and uh, kind of enjoy what is there instead of kind of always uh, wanting something else or trying to get away from something that you don't like. And so more kind of like a transition of your mindset towards more acceptance with what is. Right. Yep. 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 That is so fascinating to have heard that you've, you've kind of literally come back from the door of death and for you to have had that realization during that time when you were changing and evolving uh, into who you are. Were you aware that these were happening because of what was happened or this is very conscious what was changing in you, this evolution in you? No, it was a very conscious thing. This coma thing was really it felt for me like a closure because like everything that I experienced at that time was like almost cliche mm. as you hear from other people kind of have their experiences so as I was like before there was this complete blank I was like flying up like a spiral thing and having like my whole life as, as I said it's cliche but it actually happened like that. My whole life was like being played again. And I had the feeling that like everything that I thought, said and whatever, I also saw like this chain of consequences of my actions in the people around me. So kind of like a, a in all directions. It was kind of like a, I, I went this, this spiral up and then it was this, at the end of the tunnel that went up. There was like a huge, like bright light, and then I was kind of flying down, and like a, a kind of a ironic or satirical comment, I saw next to me like a sign, and it was like a kind of desert landscape, and there was a sign, and it was written Nirvana. After that, blank, boom, nothing, nothing that I experienced anymore, and then the next thing that I that, that happened was that I woke up in this in this kind of white surrounding. The light was way too bright, all these women around in white dresses. So I didn't realize what was going on, but it was kind, kind of very clear, okay, it's a new beginning. This is like, I first thought, okay, man, maybe that's heaven or whatever, I was surprised. Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't. I mean, Nirvana would be nothing, no? So... 
Oh, I don't know. I've never been there. <laughs> kind of like thrown back into this more kind of classical uh, uh, Christian idea of like, okay, uh, what is that? No, now it starts again. I'm, I'm reborn. So, uh, but wow. like the, for me, it was still the, that experience also um, kind of like stick very deep because it was from that moment on kind of like this, this, there is nothing, there's no afterlife afterwards, but it's good. I wouldn't want like to have like another life afterwards because it it kind of gives you the possibility to now really feel this this time, whatever it is, if it's one day or two years or ten years, but it gives you the, the possibility to fill it yourself with meaning and not trust that somebody out there want for uh, force or whatever kind of has to provide this meaning into your life. So that was kind of, for me, actually a very positive, yeah, beautiful thought that there's nothing afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And the idea, especially that this is the actual life that you've got and this is the one you are accountable for. So you are the one in control of it. So you're the one who will. And responsible. Yeah, you're responsible for it. You can drive it. You can ruin it. You can make it blessed. You can do what you want with it. But this is the one. Did you have to explain this to anyone or did anyone quite wonder about your change? Because obviously that must have brought about changes in you, the way you approach things or how did people yeah. see you? How was yeah, that? I, I think it was the coma was not like this life-changing thing. It was just like the starting moment. There was not like a, I, I don't think that there was mm. any change in, in like like visible from the outside. But I think I, or I know there was uh, no. after like uh, when I went to India and did all this meditation and these retreats. And when I came back from there, there, it was really a kind of like for people uh, from the outside, like my partner at that time, my family, my friends, like I, I heard it like so often, like, hey, you completely changed, you're like a new person. And, and then it kind of, I think, I mean, now it's difficult to say, is it now, am I now more like this new, like closer to the to this person that came back from India or uh, like the old uh, one before, or is it the mix or whatever? Because now, I mean, obviously you don't have any of these reactions anymore because it's just where you are. But at that time it was really felt by a lot of people around me that there was like kind of a very strong break to how I was before and, and after. Okay. Did they take it well? Did they feel, you know, you've gone and met some woo-woo people out there and then now something's gone lost? Did your people support you and say, you know, it's, it's this is Andreas and he's going to find his way. Let's just let him be. And Or did they say, he's an artist, you know, they're all weird anyway. So what was the attitude? <laughs> uh, I, I think it really depends on... Um... On the people, mm. uh, I mean, I mean, what what I thought was this transition was like from being like somebody that is has has a lot of ups and downs. Uh, also, like because there are a lot of attachments, 
hopes, expectations, uh, living in the past or living in the future and uh, constantly kind of like trying to find like his, his own position in that world with all the struggles to like somebody that is much more kind of like, like comfortable with what is and with himself and uh, so I think for most people it was kind of like a positive I was there were, were no like I was not becoming like like there were no no more fights for example with my family being able to kind of sue myself out of a situation see it maybe from another angle and then like all things calm down and before it was maybe more like this like you have your position and then you want yes. to be right and and like that and I think, but but I think for the partnership, it was not only like um, positive kind of because uh, I think we have in Western culture we have like a lot of these ideals uh, centered around what is a, a good relationship, what is love, is kind of uh, very opposite from this kind of Buddhist idea of love which is much more like sharing and not centered on one person it's not excluding but including other people and concepts that i think for myself are not really positive but like for example jealousy but in our culture it's kind of like a sign of like uh, affirmation you really love that person that's why you're jealous and so when I kind of didn't show these emotions anymore it was also making my my girlfriend very insecure and sometimes even angry that I wouldn't like react more emotionally because it also shows that I really love her kind of a different philosophy that that I think is not that easy kind of to bring together like this more uh, Eastern philosophy and the Western concept of love. Mm, yes, as you said, those two philosophies, there are expectations, being able to explain that inside something that used to be and has changed. How did you figure it out? I mean, did you even have to figure it out or did you just let it play out and uh, kind of, how do you reconcile and how did you reconcile this? Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, it, it's as you said, I kind of, um, after that, like every experience, every situation, everything that uh, that um, went good or went wrong, I kind of like, like just let it like uh, happen without giving it too much value. Even if I had like a, a success, like I won a prize or whatever, I got an award, it was kind of okay, thanks. But it was not like that I, that I pushed myself, ah, I'm, I'm now like great and, and uh, I want to achieve more and more and more. And the same thing also like with negative things like uh, failure, uh, disappointment, loss, it's just like, okay, it's part of life. It's like that happens and afterwards comes something else and maybe another loss, another disappointment, but then eventually something good happens again. It's just like the game of life. So it was kind of like this new attitude that helped me a lot mm. to deal with negative stuff, like in a, in a positive way. But I think made it really not that easy for my partner. For her, like sometimes it just felt that I also am not able anymore to enjoy or like have this 
like when something really positive happens to just like uh, uh, value it. But I didn't feel like that for me. It was, but but it was her perception of kind of like. Of course. I cut down like the the the, the top third of like the peaks. Opposite, the peaks, yes. Like that, I, I was like, no, I can still experience that, but I don't just don't value it like as as this is the the, the most important thing or this is the worst thing. It's just like. Okay, it's happening. Mm-hmm. Kind of. And when you came back in that year at the time, uh, were you actively um, working? That person who came back and started working uh-huh. again, how did that person manifest himself into your work? How did that feel? Yeah, I was I was at that time uh, writing uh, a novel uh, for four, four and a half years. That didn't turn out well. <laughs> Um, so I didn't find the publisher and I was also actually at the end not really happy with the result. Uh, so I didn't continue like on that project anymore. I, I was thinking a lot about this. this um, did it help me in, in, in my artistic career to have this kind of change in personality, yes or not? And I, I think in a, in a short term, for sure not, because I think like, like when you do art, I think it's a lot of art lives from like extreme emotions, like from these like death mm. and loss and divorce and love. And it has to be extreme that like you kind of, go with it and feel it as a, as a viewer and that you like feel attached. Uh, so kind of like take out this energy in your own life. I think also took out a little bit of that energy in my kind of artistic projects. And I kind okay. of had to find a way to bring back there in like, okay. like uh, this, this energy and kind of, separate what I'm doing artistically from like how I am more like as a person and so like the my projects after that like took a very different form then I started like doing these like uh, more activist uh, performance-based projects and uh, and where I think I, I found this energy again with just like what I wanted to achieve with the political kind of like force that I really felt uh, very strongly and that gave me the, the, the motivation and the, and the power to work on these projects for a long mm. time. Okay. How long ago was that till now? 20 years. 20 years. Okay. So... 20 years, yeah. Okay. So when you think of yourself today... Uh, and you make a comparison because obviously we've got older um, and hopefully wiser or make better mistakes if you want to call it that but also we do some really good things too and and we know that that's from our experiences from our learnings from our passions etc what, what would you say you've kept and let go tell me a bit about that yeah I think it didn't really like uh, change a lot since then I think uh, the beginning, it, I felt the change like much more intensely because I, I could compare it with, with before and after. And then like, after, after a while, it just like becomes kind of like your new skin and it's like 
that's the way you react. It would need another kind of like operation to like turn you into somebody else. Mm-hmm. I don't think it changed much. I mean, that said, I I also think there's it's difficult to say that there's kind of like this this mm. personality kind of like as a core that goes through time and persists because I also think that in like we, we are kind of many me's not only one like I'm a different person towards my sister towards my family towards my partner like friends it's kind of like with, with every relationship that you have you kind of have another person personality say you know another humor, another like, you, because you share other experiences, you, you have other things that you relate to. Uh, it's, it's kind of like difficult to say, okay, this is now who I am. Or this is who I was kind of like as a concept of being. Right. No, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I mean, for myself to the way I speak to my mom and this way I speak to everybody is pretty much the same thing. I'm rude. So I <laughs> do just about everyone. <laughs> well, no, I call it direct. They say rude. But anyway, that's just a question of perception, right? But um, why do you think, but they don't need to know all my intimate inner details and inner thoughts, of course, but why do you think for you, you have got the many me's? Which part of you has to be different and which part of you is you? Um, yeah, you can have this attitude of like, I, I try to be like consistent in all situations, always like just speak out my mind. Uh, that's kind of like one attitude or the other one would be like, okay, uh, you see it, you zoom yourself out and then you see, okay, there, are, like there's this person maybe... From his perspective, like what you would say now would just hurt him. Is it is it worth it? Although you you feel like that, you think it's right, but maybe if you consider his perspective, it becomes different. It's like uh, yeah. So and and I I think I do a lot of that. I mean I'm I like to be provocative. I like to kind of uh, shape the perception of people to make them rethink. But I, I wouldn't want to be rude just to be mean or something like to, mm. to, to purposely yeah. like hurt somebody. No. And so like I think if you do that, it's kind of like you adapt with each person. Uh, you, you talk differently. Like you, you will talk differently to a child to than to your partner. Then like when when you speak to your parents. Uh, with friends, it depends on on which kind of humor you share or which experience you you had that you kind of relate to. So that's why I think, and all these, I wouldn't say like you you pretend to be somebody else if you speak. But it's just like all these are also uh, shades of your personality or are like incorporations of of you it's not like that this me is like more important or more real than the other one it's all kind of like our equal uh, aspects of what is your me's okay mm-hmm. yep so you would say you have many me's yes mm-hmm. so if you had um only one day to live what would you do um 
think that's for me it's a, it's an interesting question because uh, it shouldn't be actually uh, a question that makes you change anything. I think like for me it's kind of this is the the daily question. The, it would be odd actually to to wake up and then ask this question and then oh now I have to do that and that. No, I, 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 I have to travel. I have to change my life completely. Now I don't go to work anymore. I think if it was like that, there would be something wrong in the, in the way I live. It should be the natural thing to kind of ask yourself this question and then just live on exactly the way you are because it, it can be the last day every day. Yes, exactly. And if, if you know what it would be, then basically why aren't you doing it today? Yeah. Every day? Yeah. What would be a message you'd give to those who are listening? What message would you give them? Yeah, it's not, it's really not my, my thing, like, because I also, when I do art, I, I don't uh, have this kind of educational message that people can just take out of it. It's more like I, I give them something and then like okay now you can think now you can figure out what you want to how you want to perceive it and maybe their perception is completely different from what i intended them to see and that's okay so it's really it's not in my it's not my thing to to do no but i think that was a statement in itself just then okay <laughs> good This podcast is brought to you by Writer on the Web, where every story counts.